Hi, everybody in podcast land and also on YouTube. I'm James. I'm David. Private Riley reporting for duty, sir. And this is the Carpool Critics podcast covering... <gasps> Saving Private Ryan. Spoiler alert! Oh, wait, how do I do it? Army. Spoiler alert! Sir! <laughs> there's not, <laughs> a lot, there's not too many sirs in this movie. It's not like that... That yeah, Kubrick no, that's one. true. Yeah, they're very informal soldiers. They're all they're all chilling. This is sir. This is a chain of command. This well, is basically like weekend Bernies, but during World <laughs> War II, everyone's just like that's the big party. They have to pretend like Tom some... Hanks is still alive so that they can keep a mission, <laughs> prop him up. Oh, we can't laugh. Though, Marshall guys. doesn't feel like talking today. He's hungover. Oh my gosh, it's the last joke we're allowed to make about. This yeah, movie. no, this is the kind of funny thing. Are we allowed to? It, I don't know. It's a series. We're gonna get serious. South Park rules, guys. It's been twenty three and a half years. You can make fun of it. As We've much been doing as, this podcast as as for 23 and a half years. <laughs> no, since the event <laughs> uh, in question. I see, I see, I see. It's been more than, wait, uh, oh, it's been more than 23 years, I think. 1998? World War II? <laughs> this movie's from 98? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that explains why it was the first time I saw Entrails. Yeah, that's pretty. I was a child. Pretty shocking. Entrails. I was thinking about this for such Guts. a... Oh, <laughs> Trails <laughs> shaped like the letter N. No, right? I thought, yeah, I was like, is that a movie? Entrails, yeah, the, the movie? The planes go and they, they, no. they do sky letters. Yes, inside. Uh, for such an iconic movie, there's not that many parodies of this. Like, there is, mm. but compared to, like, The Godfather or Apocalypse Now or something, where it's serious subject matter, but it's not as, like, uh, like it, does, it just feels wrong to make fun yeah. of David Private Ryan. Well, and we can get into this, because there's definitely a sense of, like, reverence in mm-hmm. the movie, where, like... It is a huge movie, so you would expect there to be parodies or whatever. But even I'm, I'm watching this, and I, and I'm writing my notes about it, and I'm like, I, it. But the funny thing is, it is a funny movie. There's good jokes. It's so funny. But I was like, where can I put in jokes here? What, I, I still trying to be sensitive. <laughs> he wants his mother. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but we'll get into it. It's David, what are you gonna give this movie out of ten? Saving Private Ryan's. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan's blend of horrific violence and heroic sacrifice, best exemplified by the best 23 minutes ever put to film, make it the most powerful, if not the purest war film ever. 9.4. Woo. That's very high. Is that your highest rated movie on this podcast? Uh, I think Blade Runner 2049 is higher. Where did you put? 9.7, something like that. Okay, wow. Ballpark? Ballpark. My slogan is, what is a man worth? Is he worth as many enemies as he can kill? As many lives he can save by giving his own? Saving Private Ryan explores this question in one of the most heartfelt and genuine American war propaganda films to ever hit the screen. American war propaganda? What do you mean? Shut up. (laughs) I'm giving it an 8.75 out of 10. I love this movie. Hell yeah. Hmm. I don't really think it's that propagandist. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Saving Private Ryan might be the best World War II movie ever, but can you have too much of a good thing? Yes. 25 minutes too much. Oh. 8.5 out of 10. Movie's sick. Really? 8.5 is a high rate. So that 0.5 down from a 9 is like the extra 25 minutes? I don't know. I just think I just think by the time it gets to like the final battle, we're like, okay, we have Ryan. Now we're just going to have another six fight scene for another yeah. half an hour. I'm kind of like, uh, okay. Really? Yeah, I don't it, know. It was great. It's well done. And lots of cool character moments happen. And we're going to talk about those right after this message from Carpool Critics is supported by Matt. Wait. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shaving Ryan's Privates is supported by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, including the greatest ball hair trimmer on the planet, the Lawnmower 3.0. And you can trim more than just your balls, Riley. Oh. I use it on my nipples, my face. Face. Really? Hell, take the guard off and get up the nose. Oh my. Yeah, well, you're a dad now. How big is your nostril? 
it's not how big my nostril is. It's how hairy it is on the inside. <laughs> you got to work the angles. Right. You can get 20% off right now and free shipping in this crazy world with code CARPOOL at manscaped.com. And if you're going to buy this stuff, guys, buy with our link, you know? Please. It really helps us out. Why not help us? Yeah. You like us. That's why you're here. There's a lot of people who need help in the world, but you're here listening to us, so we get dibs probably. We're also brought to you by Private Internet Access VPN. PIA helps you hide your true IP address so you can bypass geo restrictions and censorship. You can connect up to five devices at once and it includes an internet kill switch. Frag out! If your VPN gets disconnected involuntarily. PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even has a god dang Chrome extension. Wow. So check it out at lmg.gg slash carpool PIA. You cut off my grenade explosion. I didn't know you were, it was going to explode. Well, you got to... Yeah, wait for the delivery. Well, you usually got some time. You throw no, it. it's true. It's true. Okay. I was trying to make it quick. Anyways. Give us the rundown of what, what goes down in this movie. Okay, right? guys. During the Allied invasion of Normandy in 1944, Captain Miller is tasked with finding Private James Francis Ryan and sending him home after all three of his brothers are killed in action. Miller leads the way through Nazi-occupied territory with eight of his men who question why they should risk their lives to save one man. When they finally find Private Ryan, he refuses to leave his post, defending a bridge of key strategic value. Miller's men stay, helping to hold off a German assault until reinforcements arrive. Miller and most of his men are eventually killed, but Ryan survives, returns to America, and does his best to earn the men's sacrifice by starting and becoming the patriarch of a perfect white American family. <laughs> the moral of the story is, America. Fuck yeah! Hey, listen, hot listen, now I know there's a lot of people listening, and they're like, "Hey, you're woke. This is too critical." I love this movie. Okay, I just have to find a place to make jokes, and that's where you make the jokes about the American war propaganda. Well, okay, honestly, if if they had fit in anything other than just imagery of the family he created, it yeah. would have been so brutal and spoon fed. If he showed up to that that that, that tombstone and was like, "Well, my, you know." My son invented plastic. Or like, <laughs> like if he did, if he did earn it by yeah. like winning a Nobel Prize or something. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. his daughters all run different charities <laughs> for veterans or something. Yeah. It's enough that they're just good looking, and it, he had a lot of them. Yeah, it was. It's. It is a really interesting beginning to the to the movie, though. It's just like him walking along and just like, oh, look at this perfect family. Well, I think that's both the beginning and the end of this movie are the most criticized parts because, like, oh yeah, kind of the most schmaltzy. It's like. Okay, I get what you're doing, but it's also the most forgettable. Everyone thinks that the opening scene of this movie is D-Day. Yeah. But there's like five minutes before that. Like, not five, but like three and a half. I kind of forgot. Yeah, so, I forget too. Because that's the part you remember. Oh, you don't remember. Boy, do you remember The it. old geezer. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Matt Damon, though. Yeah. I was uh, like, I was wow, like, this is really well cast. Well, I was totally tricked, though, and I think it's, I think it's intentional. Like, oh, totally. You, you're supposed to think it's Miller, right? Because it cuts from him to Miller. It doesn't do a match frame at the beginning, though, right? It like by that I mean it doesn't go from like the old man's eyes to a young man's no, eyes. No, no. It does that at the end with a morph, but at the beginning it just cuts to like uh, Miller shaking hand or something like that. Right? Yeah, I wish that that cut was a little bit stronger. Like I think it would have been cool if it went from eyes to eyes I or fully something like that. that. And I really don't like the morph cut at the end when it goes from young Matt Damon to old man Matt Damon. That's yeah. not Matt Damon, but is Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> Why don't you like it? It's just a cheap effect. Yeah, it really kinda... didn't age well. And like now it's yeah, just I like, it looked okay. It's okay. It's just like a a default effect in Premiere now, and so I've seen it lots. <laughs> we uh, have the we have the capability to do it. Totally, easy, and I mean so. in that, that Michael Jackson movie, uh, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. They use it to great effect in that in that yeah. music video. And it's not uh, that it's inherently bad. Movie. Music video, <laughs> music movie. 
Um, but yeah, I found that that particular effect didn't work. I but think if they had done a, a match frame or a match cut from old man eyes to Miller's eyes at the beginning of the movie, that would have been a cheap shot. And I actually don't think they should have done that. I agree that they did not do that. I, mm. I feel like it's kind of cheap that they did that at all. Like why even make us think that, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. Well, like, it does why, serve a purpose. It, it makes us think that the old man is Miller. Yes. But wh- why make us think Well, that? because otherwise... It's just kind of a silly twist for no reason. The framing device in this movie is that he's re- remembering when he's at the gra- gravestone, right? We're not yeah. watching the story in real time. We're watching it through his memory. Right. And so, therefore, if you think that that's Miller, then you watch this whole movie thinking, well, we know Miller survives. There's no way he's going to die. He's going to survive. I know he survives because he's recounting the story. He's telling us the story in the framing device. So, mm. if we think... If we think that Miller must survive, then when he dies, we're like, what? He can't die. And yeah. so it's a bit of a twist, actually. I think it's well done. I guess so. That's no, I, I mean, I, I didn't really have like a big thing to complain about that. But I, I, at the end, I think especially because I knew that the guy was Matt Damon off the bat. Uh, I was like, oh, that's Private Ryan. I didn't. Oh, no? No, no. I, I saw this movie in 98. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, probably I, too young. I think I've seen this movie... A few times more than average for me, which is probably like two <laughs> times. Yeah. And so this was probably number three. And But I, I definitely, well, because he looks so much like Matt Damon. That I think that was really what triggered my memory is like, whoa, did they like, is this like Avengers uh, advanced aging CGI Makeup type or, thing, yeah. like way before its time? Like, did they just make Matt Damon look super old? That's why I don't mind the morph at the end, because it, it doesn't have to morph that much. It seems pretty realistic. What I will say about the whole switcheroo that they do is it does feel a little bit cheap because Ryan, the old man version, is recounting a story that he wasn't at. Yeah. So it switches to his memory right. telling the story of D-Day. He wasn't there at D-Day. That, so that's kind of weird. That's why it bothers me, I think. Because it's like we're going to into, his, into his eyes and then we switch to Miller. And it's like, why did we go to his eyes? What's the point of that? It's like, oh, I'm remembering. He got memory transference. But he also took place... Skin part of the skin. invasion and he's probably heard a thousand different veterans yeah. telling the story yeah. so you can imagine it i think within the context of uh the veterans kind of remem- memory of what that day would have been like i think it works fine yeah. for me I especially think since the d-day part's not that historically accurate anyway so it's not Is as it not? bad do you know who says that it wasn't uh historically accurate and uh did a whole campaign about it harvey weinstein so if you don't like this movie because it's not historically <laughs> wa- accurate you're just like why harvey did, weinstein wait, why did he care so, so much so the year that this came out uh, Thin Red Line and Shakespeare in Love came out, and so Harvey Weinstein did a big campaign against a smear campaign, sa- a smear campaign against Saving Private Ryan about how inaccurate this movie was, so that Shakespeare in Love could actually win Best Picture that year. Which big, it did. One of, it won one of the like bo- most okay wow. movies ever that hasn't aged well at all. In case we needed this. another reason to hate Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> that's insane. <Yeah. laughs> and it's so like he did all these things about like historical historical inaccuracies, but if you go back. This is actually a fairly well-researched movie. There's lots in this that's like maybe a little bit exaggerated or like certain ideas are, are a little too kind to what American military would do. Mm. But in general, like a lot of the details are right because oh. he, he started this movie wanting to make like a oorah movie. Yeah. But the more he interviewed veterans and the more he got information, he's like, no, I want to make this like real. It's unflinching. I, I think what I remember most about watching this as a kid was like all of the... You, you know, like, there, did you guys go through, like, a World War II phase where I, I, I did where I was just, like, obsessed with all of, like, the guns and the tanks and the planes and, I like... the whole world all, did. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when Call of Duty, so, World War, like, 1 and 2 and yeah. Medal of Honor and stuff. Myself, not really. Oh, no? no not really, no. When the, I had the subtitles on and 
I, I feel like I, you probably don't catch a ton of this stuff when you're not watching with subtitles, but like there are so many times where they're just like listing a bunch of like army equipment. There's a lot of jargon. Like, yeah, we got hit hard from the 88s and like those are P-51 tank busters and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't think it's called the P. It's called the P fifty one. That's the plane. Yeah, well, that's actually no, one of the that's one of the inaccuracies. Is that plane is, is crappy it's at not air a to ground? Tank buster, so it's yeah, specifically yeah. not yeah. a tank. Buster. I actually remember that because he's like, "Those are tank busters, P 51s I was like, "Those aren't. They're not bombers. They're no, they're fighters. They're fighters. Yeah. So that's where it's kind of iffy because on the one hand, I was gonna praise this movie for having so much jargon, but it never bogging the movie down. Where I was like, you know, if I was a World War II nut, I would be so happy that all this stuff is in here, but it doesn't affect the layman at all. But then, if you actually are a nut, it actually kind of sucks. There's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think they got enough right, though. I mean, and there's going to be nitpicks that are just, yeah. to me, unreasonable. Like, oh, this paratrooper has black boots. Where all, you know, all the army had brown boots at that time. They didn't have black boots until, like, Vietnam or something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. Like, who cares? Who cares? And then there's the practicalities of just, like, what you're able to source when you're creating a movie, you know? Man, I wish that I looked more into, like, the accuracies and inaccuracies of this movie in terms of the... That stuff because I all I remember is watching it and being like, oh cool, yeah. talking about Shermans and Panzers yeah. and blah blah blah. This, and I know what those mean. This movie is definitely more experiential than informational, but there's like lots of World War II historians that say that this is the best World War II movie. I think it's the best uh, depiction of combat, right? But I don't think it's a it's it's to the T what happened that day. Actually, no, on, on Reddit, if you go to r slash ask historians, there are several threads about this movie oh. uh, that are in great detail that you can check out if you, hmm. you want to learn that stuff. But in particular, I think the thing that's probably the most egregious is that that company of Rangers uh, kind of had a, a plan A and a plan B on the day. And in the movie, you see them mostly adhering to plan A, but in real life, they did plan B. Wait a second. Wait a second. I didn't even think about this at all. Is this based on a true story? Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's based on the broad, heard, <laughs> Omaha Beach. <laughs> it's based on the broad strokes of a few different stories kind of combined. There was actually a mission to go save the fourth brother of... of uh, well, I don't know about that. I know there was different... Bro- like, there's I'm not talking few- about that. Oh. There's, there was, no, I know you weren't talking... <laughs> I know D-Day <laughs> happened. This, but I'm saying this, the mission. The idea of brothers that died and then having to, pulling one off the front line to bring return home, that happened... Uh, it was four brothers, two died, and they, the third one went missing, and oh. uh, they thought he was dead, so they went and got the third one. Turned out he was just a POW. He escaped eventually. So that's true, but this scenario of like risking eight men's lives. But did right. they go to great extent and it cost? No, it, they found him. They're like, hey, bring him back. And he's, like, and he's like, okay. Oh, he's just chilling in the mess hall. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This idea of eight people having to risk their lives for one dude is one of my big questions, and I don't want to get into that right away, but I definitely have that we question. We will cross well, that bridge. The movie, the movie completely loses nothing for me from being a fictional account, because I, I think I, from the get-go, I thought it was a fictional anyway, so if it's not like right to the letter uh, you know, of what actually happened in this so-and-so, so, so-called mission, yeah. Then, uh, then yeah, it's fine. I'm happy with it. I mean, there's other weird things like at the beginning of the movie, or at the beginning of the invasion there's basically silence. They're in the boat, like yeah. on their way, right? Um, but by that point, you would have heard the naval, like artillery support, and all the guns, and mm. there's planes overhead, and all right, sorts right, of stuff. Right. But this just makes That's it more fine. personal. Who cares? Yeah. What I like about it is right from the beginning, you're like, oh, this is this kind of war movie that doesn't really glorify it. No. It's more like war is hell. Right, right from the beginning, we see hands shaking, people puking right away. It's rough. I, I, uh, when you guys were like, oh, we're doing this movie this week. I said to Lauren, I'm like, we're doing, they want to do Saving Private Ryan. And, you know, we're, we're so tired. We just had a baby. And 
I'm like, are you up for this? And she's like, um, yeah, okay. And then we started watching it and she's like, wow. Okay, uh, oh, <laughs> this is what this is. Yeah. But we, uh, I feel like maybe having the baby kind of like shell shocked us. So we were just fine. We were like, yeah, this is nothing. Shell shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I started this movie late last night uh, and my girlfriend watched the first part and she just sobs the whole time. Mm. It's like one of those movies that's oh, like wow. really visceral and like affects on a deep level. Yeah. And like when you can connect with like what these real people had to go through and it's like this is a movie version of it but real people had to do this it's like really oh it's, yeah it's you're watching nuts. this to be like wow i don't want to be there <laughs> fuck that yeah that sucks you can't communicate wait how can this get any worse oh now someone's asking him what to do can you imagine oh my gosh. it's so brutal and then yeah. someone's like sir where do i go you're like yeah. man i just oh want to curl God. up in one a thing i really like in this movie is that it rarely criticizes people who are afraid it's like mm. it's not shown as like weakness. It's shown as humanity. And like yeah. when they're afraid, when they're having a moment, like uh, you I think that's true of Upham at the end. No, I, he's the one character that no. I think I I have questions again about his arc. I don't really think I dig what they did with him. Hmm. But I think it brings up a bunch of challenging questions. And when I went into this movie, I don't remember being like there's like kind of like hard to deal with themes in this. I just remember the movie, the graphics being yeah, hard to deal with, yeah. but there's questions that this movie asks and kind of provides answers that I'm like, that's not a good answer, oh, but like, really? but in like a, this is interesting kind of way. Okay. Like, is there room for kindness on the battlefield? Yeah. And this movie says, no, there is no room for kindness on the battlefield. It is a bit of a weird, well, I don't know if it tells you that, you know, those guys should have killed the guy or whatever. So the character Upham we're talking about is is the one dude who gets added to the squad who's just not like an absolute vet. Like all of these guys He's a translator. They, they survive D Day and Omaha Beach and they're just they're badass motherfuckers just by virtue of having survived or yeah. lucky as hell. But then this translator dude, Upham, has only been to basic. He can speak French and German, so that's why he's going. And his character arc or his little story basically is like he wants to see if he can be a real soldier and then um but he wants he's writing a book about the bonds of brotherhood developed in in war but the fact that he's not jaded yet or cynical right means he's he's kind of has more humanity than other people so then when they encounter uh, a german soldier who they take prisoner everybody wants to just kill this guy he's like that's not allowed and then eventually that guy gets set free then later on in the movie that german is among uh other attackers that they're facing off he, against so he's like damn it we set him free and, and now he's, he's here he's the one who kills he, right. miller he kills miller yeah so i don't think that that's the movie telling us that obviously you know they they should have killed the guy i think they're saying that war sucks <laughs> and that like you know you can try your best and it's not going to be good enough yeah for sure i think that if they had left it at that I would be like more on board with that open-ended question, but then they kind of answer it with a more closed answer when he kills that German after, when he, mm -hmm. after he's seen all this stuff, he has his like, I'm a badass now moment. He makes all the Germans that are running away surrender, which is like his most heroic moment. Yeah. And then he shoots the German and it's like, I yeah. think I, I think I'm with you a bit on the arc being unsatisfying. Like his arc is very confusing. Like I, I would have liked a bit more closure for him because he has this he has this clear objective. He's trying to learn about brotherhood. He says that to the guys. And it's kind of funny because it's like even if he's not he, he kind of joins the brotherhood at the end. Um Mellish brings him in by telling him what Fubar means, finally. <laughs> and so he's like observing these 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 brothers in arms and and their and their deal. So it would have been nice to kind of like get to a endpoint where he's like, all right, I've learned this and this is what I'm gonna do with it. But then it, I, I'm with you. It's confusing. He cowers. It shows him as a coward, and then later he 
he goes back on his noble instinct to save the guy and just kills him. Yeah. Is, I, what is are we supposed to... I think that's supposed to redeem him. So Mellish is, is the think, guy in this movie. I don't movie. think he needed redeeming. Well, he looks pretty bad when Mellish is fighting hand-to-hand with another German yeah. in an agonizing battle like where the knife gets slowly sunken into oh, his chest yeah. and Mellish dies. He's like, Meanwhile, Upham is walking up the stairs to intervene like such a wuss like yeah, just get in so there already yeah. and he can't bring himself to rush into the scene and make a difference instead he just he crumples and and cowers in his own shame and just and See, cries and falls apart on the stairs that, that and, sequence is excellent like i love that he's willing to put himself in the line of danger like he's going to get this ammo and he actually does a pretty good job like yeah crossing the line of fire getting back but as soon as he needs to be the one pulling the trigger, he just doesn't have that in him. Mm-hmm. And I like that dynamic of like morality and value that the movie's proposing, that he's willing to be brave when it comes to himself, but he's not able to uh, kill that guy. It's like the trolley car problem. You know, that, that, that thought experiment where like most people say that they would pull a lever to right. reroute a train so the train doesn't kill five people or right, something. Right. But um, when you're actually there, if you have to like push, uh, they use an example of a fat man on the bridge to block the train. Yeah. If you have to push the fat man off the bridge, most people say they wouldn't do that because that's active. Yeah. You know, you actually have to put your hands on something. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's partially why I didn't, I didn't judge him in that moment. Like, I think I, I saw him cowering and I was just like, oh, of course this is exactly, they show all the soldiers who are like badasses and like going crazy uh, you know, killing Germans and it's no f- problem. And then when they are dying in the dirt, they all cry to their mom. They're mm. all crying mama as their, as their guts are spilling onto the grass. It's, it's so like, I, I'm like, I'm seeing him cowering on the, on the stairs and I'm just like, of course, like I, obviously it would have been better if he went up and saved his friend. But at the same time, I'm just, I, I again it looked at though. it as just like a portrait instead of kind of like a, you know, a, heroic um, arc. Yeah, or anything totally. showing you what should happen. So you don't it's think just, it necessitates redemption? I don't think so. I think that anyone in that scenario who breaks down and can't, you know, can't cope, I, I don't think that they could be blamed for that. I think that war is not a situation that you expect people to behave properly in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the, the army has all of these strict guidelines and all of this stuff because they know that once you're out there, if you don't have structure, if you don't have a ch- clear chain of command and 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 uh, soldiers in arms with you, like, it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. It's it's pure, it's literally pure chaos. Totally. And, and so I, if I don't blame somebody for just having a mental breakdown. Totally. I think one of the things the movie does really well in that regard is it shows how different people deal with D-Day. Where mm-hmm. after they've kind of gotten the beach, they've taken the bunker, you see three different takes on, like, how you deal with this. The first one is those two dudes where the Czech people come out and they're like, hey, we're not German. Mm. We didn't kill anybody. Like, hey, don't shoot us. And yeah. then they shoot him and then they make a joke like, they're what was joking. he saying? What was he saying? Oh, uh, he was cleaning up for dinner. Yeah. And yeah. so like, okay, there's that level of like, we, they're at the we're enemy and we jaded. have to kill them. And yeah. that's a setup for Miller later. Totally. Because Miller has the chance later to play by the rules and, and take someone as a prisoner rather than killing that person. Yeah. This is the German we're talking about. Right. And, um, Instead, because Miller's so jaded and cynical and losing it by that point in the movie, yeah, it's a question for him. Whereas there was no question at the beginning of the movie, he thought that was wrong. Yeah. Anyway, and continue. then the the second one is uh, Vin Diesel and the the Jewish character with the mustache when Mellish Mellish Adam Goldberg uh, Adam Goldberg yeah from yeah. Days and Confused yeah um, Fubar he they hand him the Hitler Youth knife and he's kind of has like this like Haha, and then he like breaks down sobbing and you yeah. see that side like this 
intense trauma that he's like dealing with immediately. But then you see the second in command. I can't remember what's his name. Hold on, can we dwell on that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. He gets this. It's like a joke. Hey, look, a Hitler youth knife, and he's just holding it. And he's just, they've just won. You know, he survived. Yeah. Uh, it's a, you could say it's a cause for celebration, but no, war is hell. There are no winners. And mm. he just breaks down there. Totally. And like Vin Diesel's there and he doesn't really know what to do. He's like, has this like moment of like compassion, but yeah, it's a great of, movie moment. Cause uh, I actually, in the audience, even I was kind of questioning like, why is this happening right now? Totally. You know, you don't usually see that. Well, and, then, and it's also because he's Jewish, right? And he's just like thinking like of all his people who have been exterminated and killed totally. by the Germans and he's survived here. He is like a. Well, and Hitler one youth in them. particular is such yeah. a nasty. So insidious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then the third but one. I, I, oh, I questioned sorry. that moment where it's like, was he, I'm like, was he in Germany? Like, did he ex- escape or something? Was he, he's clearly th- American. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But I think it's yeah. just like the whole weight of it would be yeah. fucking overwhelming. Uh, but the third one is the second in command to Miller. Uh, Horvath. Sergeant Horvath. Horvath. Played uh, by Tom Sizemore. Who, who very calmly just collects the sand on the beach, puts it in yeah. this tin named like Omaha or France or whatever it is, yeah. and puts it with his other tins, like Italy, Africa. like. Yeah. And I, I love how you see kind of like how these different people are going to react to this awful trauma. And uh, you know, really I'm really, I actually thought the sand thing was hokey. Yeah? I, oh, really? I don't... Okay. I have jars of sand from places I've been to. It's a cool... Lame. It's a cool thing to do. I totally don't... <laughs> It's a really cool thing to it's do, guys. Fine. I'm not I against it. it. I'm not against him yeah. doing that. I just don't think it's realistic for someone to have like a whole purse full of sand That's when weird. they're on goddamn D-Day, like <laughs> well, tr- fighting yeah. for your life. Like you want that extra weight. I just don't. It just didn't yeah. I think there's a com- there's a combo where I I think that it's silly that he still has the Italy and the Africa sand as well because like. Is he really he carrying that with him that everywhere? He was like, okay. But, and we would have got it if you just wrote France on it. We would have understood that. Uh, There's probably other ones. But I like the idea where it made me be like, okay, like he's not, I don't think he's doing it for himself. He's doing it like he thinks of his kids and he's mm-hmm. like, I want to like bring them something. And like, this is the souvenir I can bring them. I can't yeah, bring maybe. them a gun. I can't bring them like a German helmet. But like I can bring them. I thought it was a setup. Like there, it seemed like the type of film language where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna see this this sand again. This is gonna be a setup for Mm. some payoff later in the movie. But it isn't. And I wondered, maybe it's serving the purpose that you're describing, David, or maybe it's just trying to show that this guy's like a vet. He's been around. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sergeant. I think that's the that's the main. I think it's multiple purposes though, and I think it it works. Well, that's what you try to do with movie writing. Yeah. Be efficient. I honestly, I was a bit confused by those that sequence of scenes because I was like, what's the point of this? But I think you just explained it to me that like it's kind of just some vignettes to to give a little uh, you know, slice of life for these people who just made it through this horrible thing. Yeah, I don't think this movie takes a bold stance being like, hey, like every soldier is is great morality. I think there's like, it leans more on the side of like veterans are heroes, but I think that's a good moment of like, no, like there's a little bit of moral gray in yeah. war and like even American soldiers aren't all heroes. No, I, I love that. I love that morally... Well, it's, it's it's morally complex. It's like you are mm. over here. You are fighting for something good. You're fighting for freedom. You're fighting against evil. But war does things to men and p- people in general. Totally. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 horrible. So I think that I, that's again another reason why I don't look at any of the things that people do in this movie as like real with real judgment. Mm. I'm just like you are. You can you are doing the thing that makes the most sense to you in this moment where you're trying to not get your head shot off. So yeah. you're saying that uh, people don't have free will. <laughs> well, that's a that's a that's a question for another time. <laughs> can we talk about the D-Day sequence for a bit? Because like 
that that took most of the filming days. It took 25 out of 59 like filming days. It took like 25 the, days. The largest chunk of the film budget. Like they had to make 300 costumes for this. Like that mm-hmm. was the big part of this movie. And I think it's the best part of oh, this man. movie. It's definitely the most iconic of that. Yeah. What you all remember. My wife was like, is the whole movie like this? <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine? That would well, be... Phew, that so would I be think what this rough. sequence really shows is a master understanding of like inhaling and exhaling and filmmaking. Like the pacing of that sequence is like a symphony where when you're on the U-boats, it's these like long takes. It's still shaky. And then the first explosion, it's like immediately we're raising the tempo and we're like raising the intensity. And then, the, the door opens and then bam, cut, 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 cut. People are dying everywhere. Just get... But then immediately we get another breather. We go underwater. And although it's like a really dark moment where you're seeing these soldiers unable to get out of their oh gear God. and they're drowning and the bullets come down, which can't happen. That's not physically possible. Bullets, bullets <laughs> cannot true. go in water. Every time in a uh, movie they do this. Yeah, but yeah. that's not important. Well, you no, get they, these... they're, they're, they go down like a foot and a half and then, then they, yeah, but they, they do go... kill somebody. There's a there's a bullet underwater yeah, that goes yeah. through and kills somebody. And my, my Larissa was like, I thought that that didn't happen. You yeah. can't do that. And I was like, well, those are high caliber. They didn't have MythBusters. They're high caliber <laughs> machines, though. Could it? 1998. Those huh? are like. Oh, maybe if, it, if, it's, right. if it's the uh, if it's like the fifty the, cal's. I don't the know if they're fifty cal's back then, but yeah, maybe. Um, but then we're underwater. The the pacing takes another breath. We get a chance to exhale. And then, like, the camera does this crazy thing of, like, in out of the water, in the water, mm. out of the water, in the water. And again, we're, like, amping the, like the rhythm. Like a GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they used. A little few people they know. They GoPros. The first GoPro was used Steven in Steven Spielberg had the first ones. But then we're into the, the most intense part of the movie, where people are friggin' dying, like, their oh, guts man. are hanging out. Like, it's awful. But because the movie has gone from, like, this slower pace with the intro into the U-boat, into the water, it's prepared us... For yeah. this crazy rhythm of filmmaking, and it's we can accept it, you. and it's not—it's overwhelming in the right way, not in the information overload way. Right. And it's like not many filmmakers could do it as well as Steven Spielberg yeah. did it. It's, it's incredible. It's completely immersive. I think oh. one of my notes that I wrote was that I'm like, this movie is one of the best movies that I've seen that makes you really feel as if you are in this war, as if you're in this battle. There are bullets whizzing over your head. Your friend is dying right next to you. You have a have a wound that you don't know is gonna kill you or not it's just like i i just it feels like it honestly feels like a video game where i'm just like in it like i mean steven Sorg would go on to make medal of honor after this and it's uh did he yeah he's Wait, he what cre- do you mean he created Medal. well he's like the head honcho for medal of honor really yeah they came to him to like make a video game and he's like i want to make a world war ii video oh, game oh that's so funny and then they made call of duty which was way better i had no uh, idea and then they kept making them and then they stopped i love the early medal of honor games i love the I, early call of duty games oh they're so good i played like medal of honor on gamecube or something uh, they were good anyways they were pretty back sweet. to this I, scene I, I like all the oh. different moments that they tried to put into the into this scene and sometimes they have to slow it down so that mm-hmm. you can see all those moments yeah like there's a scene or there's a section of it where miller is just leaning against a sandbag or something like breathing like he just can't take it all mm-hmm. he's like shocked mm-hmm. and so everything's kind of slow motion and that's the part where you see that guy wandering around looking for his limbs and he oh, picks up his own yeah. arm yeah oh man Buddy, i love just chuck it in the water it's done they do something really <laughs> smart with the audio design where in even in the most intense parts where that like another movie would just raise the volume raise the craziness they bring it down and and when it's when miller's running up to the first level of the hill and you're following the soldier so it's this shaky behind the soldier shots but instead of having it be like like footsteps and yeah. gunfire and all this, 
it's actually just a really intimate breathing and grunting of, of Tom Hanks. It's just like, uh, 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 oh. uh, and it's, it totally put, <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Tom Hanks wife being like, no, <laughs> uh, but it, 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 it places you in that scene in such an intense, intimate way where I think what another filmmaker would have chosen wouldn't have worked as effectively at mm. totally making it like so visceral. Man. It's basically one degree of separation away from being first person. View. Oh, totally. It's yeah. It's ba- it's like a first person yeah. sequence. It's first person audio. David, yeah. uh, what did you think about the like low frame rate sections? Because I wrote down that those were horrible. I didn't They're like a little dated for yeah. sure. And there's a few things that they do in this movie that I don't love. Before before we actually watched it, James was like, "Hey, keep an eye out for this kind of video artifacts." Uh, when there's like fire, it goes across the whole line. And I was like, I wonder if it's like the file or whatever that was broken. But it's just what they what they did is they actually took uh, the protective coating off the the lens, which is a filter and it like prevent, prevents crazy refractions and reflections that cause like crazy blooming and it's all this polarized. stuff. So this stuff that I noticed was actually intentional part of the movie. Yeah. And so I'm not sure. So there's a filter you can put on a lens that makes like this vertical stretching of flaring. And that's like a sci-fi effect that they do. So they might have added that on top, but removing that coating would provide that where like the fire stretched Did you have the that in screen. the copy you watched, Riley? So what it looks like is it was in two scenes, one at the beginning and one at the end. And like in one of them, there were some fires burning in the background, like in a barrel or something. And then the orange from that fire was like extruded in these like perfect vertical lines up the screen. I didn't notice and, that. And then there was another scene like in the foreground. It was just like the guy's coat or something. I think if I did see it, I might have just thought it was like a lens flare or something. Yeah, it's no, a, it's like way worse than that, though. No, it, I was it, like, something's broken in this movie. Maybe your copy was broken, but the fire is extruded because of those, like the, the coating being removed, and it totally just reflects in the lens and creates this cre- really strong vertical lines. Well, sure, but I'm just saying it's not like an, a J.J. Abrams lens flare that's like, oh, that's a little, little woo for like one second and it's gone. This that is was like a, 10 solid seconds of like, what is this? That was actually a special type of fire weapon used by the Germans <laughs> is a... Lincoln Man, how about those flamethrower guys? Cool. Oh, I was like, nah, that would be cool to be that guy. And I was like, no mm. one, no, when actually. He explodes and Tom Hanks has it's in the close up and the blood just splatters oh, on his man. face. Just imagine oh. like being on D Day and then you're also carrying a tank. Like carrying tanks around sucks. Jeez Louise. But then it feels so badass when they get to the bunker yeah. and like the you finally see the one flamethrower guy actually get to do what he was meant to do and it just freaking Oh man, it's goes awesome. Such an flames. intimidating weapon. It's too. such a it's such a release too, after the hell of moving up the beach to yeah. have to see them finally like destroy oh that bunker. Gosh. Yeah, it's like bunker. Oh, it was bonkers. Finally we get to murder people. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. know what moment doesn't work for me in the D Day sequence though? Is the sniper moment. When he like oh, really? the first time I like that Tom Hanks is like okay, Jackson? yeah, he has a plan. We're gonna get him there. He'll take the sniper shot. I yeah. trust this guy. That's that all works for me. It's the first time he's like, Lord protect me, give me the power to do yeah. the sniper shot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just find like Lord that's... Lord sniper power activate. Yeah, <laughs> I just find that uh, charge up the Bible. That time in particular, later in the movie, he does it again, and that's kind of his thing. He's like the the religious one. That that's fine for me as a shtick, but that time in particular felt like really eighties action movie to me as like. Like, I could see Arnold being like, Lord, give me the power to snap this man. <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> Same for Robert Ryan, except Arnold is the sniper. <laughs> I would love that. See, I, okay, I wrote this down. The little Christian boy in me, first time I saw this movie, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> pun, it was so- Pun intended. <laughs> he was like, give me the strength to vanquish my enemies, oh Lord. I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. That was like, fuck. That yeah. was awesome. And I love that in the later part of the movie when he's at the top of the tower and he's having his like badass moment where he's just like, boom, dude, 
dead. Yeah, pff, yeah, pff, yeah. And he's like doing the prayer. Like that works for me. And I'm like, yeah. sure, this is like coming full circle. What's different about the first one is he says his, his own prayer and then the camera actually cuts to two different scenes of like or shots of other extras also praying while they're in yeah. battle like there's a guy with a rosary or something like that yeah. and we've never seen these people before and then it cuts back to Jackson completing his prayer and then making the shot so I was like why did Spielberg choose to do that mm. why did he involve these other characters I think in this moment for me it 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 served as kind of like you know the uh, one of those vignettes that David was kind of saying like we on on the beach we're not with Miller 100% of the time a few times it just kind of breaks off to like show somebody and you know, lo- who lost a limb or whatever, or somebody getting shot, and and it just it just kind of is like attempting to give us this overall picture of life, <laughs> life during the D-Day invasion, and um, I think that him doing that uh, the Bible Bible sniper shot, I think was an excuse or not an excuse that sounds negative, but I think that he took that opportunity to show the fullness of you know the. Well, not fullness, but showed some of the ways that religious uh, beliefs and, and and ways of life kind of played into this moment. Yeah, and I think it also serves to maybe say, hey, Jackson isn't like a religious zealot weirdo. He's not a one-off. There's lots of people who are right. doing what he mm. is going to do in this yeah. movie. It perhaps serves as a moment to tell us that, all right, he won in this moment, but don't necessarily think that he does have any sort of special power. Oh, he does. Oh, okay, he there's does, another- though. What? Well, he, he gets, gets killed, killed by a man. tank. <laughs> it takes a tank to take him down. No, he's ex- he's extremely talented, but I think what that's showing us in that moment is not that you know, I don't think that Saving Private Ryan has metaphysics <laughs> where the, if you believe hard enough you're the best sniper. Saving Private Ryan the he, second Avenger. Yeah, but Jackson I, is also the the one moment in this movie where I was like ew at the exposition. Where oh. he's like, it's right after that, actually. He's like kind of talking himself up. He's basically saying to the audience, I'm the sniper and I'm really good and this is what Wait, I can do. Is that the scene where they're like all walking through the field or whatever and Upham just joined them and they're talking about the mission and all that? He's and like, so the way I see it, God turned me into a, yeah. a marvelous oh. instrument of warfare. Here's my character bio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay. I don't know. I, I, I like that. They were all kind of, that, that whole sequence kind of served as sort of like an exposition to get us... Uh, helping us get to know but the, every, uh, the characters. Yeah, but everybody was acquainted through dialogue. Everyone else, mm. they, there was banter, and that's how we learned who they were and what their relationships were. But yeah. he's the only one who's like, here's my thing. Well, I I don't know. I, did, I think it didn't bother me that much because we had already seen what his thing was. He was like the Christian sniper guy. You know, I don't know. I think some of those conversations really work for me, especially when it's like a walking through a camp and there's like hundreds of soldiers and it's this huge scale. Yeah. And there's so much visual spectacle that I'm like half paying attention to what they're saying. I'm not that worried about like the details of it. But when it's just, yeah, that eight of them walking through a field, I found some of that dialogue kind of like, okay, it's okay. This movie really made me want to watch Band of Brothers again because of that reason that you were saying, like they're going through all of these different uh, theaters of the war, like they 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 meet up with the paratroopers, and then they meet the uh, you know the other the company that they're going through the, the the town and stuff. I was just like, did you guys watch Band of Brothers? Oh yeah, that's a Spielberg show, right? Yeah, TV show. I think Tom Hanks and produced Steve. it or something. And Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg. Like, yeah, yeah. It was basically like Saving Private Ryan the show. And I think it, because of that, there's more time to dwell with those characters and they feel so much more grounded yeah. in reality. They're not like ideas of something. Let's go back yeah. to D-Day though because I actually have some questions. Uh, this one's a production design question. Was the water, could the water be that bloody? So according it's to- the ocean. There's waves, right? So <laughs> according to the stories of D-Day, the blood did run red. Uh, but oh, those reta- retellings- The water ran red with blood. With blood. Okay. Um, and that wasn't enough information for me. So I did the math. 
Uh, so they used in this movie. You did the math. I did the math. Of the how volume much. of the ocean. No. So <laughs> in this movie, they used forty gallons of fake blood, which is like more than any other movie. So forty gallons and or forty barrels of forty-two gallons is like fourteen, six, fifteen hundred gallons of blood. <laughs> you lost. Uh, humans have like one point two to one point five gallons. So like, if a thousand people died uh, and they bled out, that's like that much blood. But it's a pretty contained area, and the water's pushing the blood towards the right. beach. But and so between the fact that like it actually that's not that many humans dying plus the f- stories saying that I think that that was probably true. Yeah, you guys talked about the the inaccuracy of this scene, and one big question for me is the setup of the actual beach. Like, was the beach that short? It seemed really short. So if it you was look, eight k. What'd you call me? It was eight kilometers. Well, okay. Omaha Beach in particular. Yeah, I think so. Like like um from the turrets to the. Oh, sure? the depth of it that way, I think, yeah, was yeah. like four or something. Kilometers. Yeah. and Because it looked fight, like 500 meters. <laughs> and the fight took took many, many, many hours, but yeah. it's all condensed to give you the yeah. emotional beat. The thing that I have, though, is like, uh, they have these conversations, they get to cover, and then they like get to, they're in cover, they're safe, and they're kind of talking, what should we do now? We've got to run over there. But then sometimes it goes to like an over-the-shoulder view from the Germans' perspective, yeah. looking down the yes. beach at them. And from that perspective, there is nowhere to hide. I know. Nowhere. I'm like, it, where are these conversations occurring? It really bothered me. Yeah, I was it, like, I was like, okay, first of all, if they just at a sprint, it seems like they could get to the to the sand, you know, barrier or whatever in like 20 seconds. And B, did I say one or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and secondly, the, it looked like the ger- the the German turret guys could just gun down everyone, no problem. Well, I, I guess like, from their perspective, you're not going to be able to see what they can't see, right? So if there's anything that's too close to them that they can't aim downward at, we wouldn't see it from that camera angle. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact details of the height and all this stuff, uh, but apparently Omaha Beach wasn't like one big bunker. It was a set of these smaller bunkers, so that's not super realistic in the portrayal of like once they took this hill, they were good. It was they didn't have the big concrete. Bu- no, it was like there. a whole bunch of machine gun nests that they had to take, and they they took it. We won, um, but that's not super accurate. But and there was actually, if you look at the photos, there's like way less cover. Mm. Like it's like there was nowhere to hide, and like those X shaped things, they're actually backwards. So in the movie. It's they're supposed to be different. So the Germans thought that the really? Americans were going to attack at high tide because that's night. So they would ha- come at, under the cover of night. Uh, and so the, those things are designed not to stop the boat, but to lift the boat onto a mine that's at the end. So then the boat would slide up, explode easy. Oh, uh, they're not meant to be like s- stopping them from approaching the beach. Oh, so that's I, I was wondering about those because I'm like, I, I assume that they were meant to stop vehicles in some way. Yeah. But you're saying there were mines on all of those? So apparently they're made out of like, so it's different. There's a whole bunch of beaches, there's a whole bunch of situations. But yeah. I was reading like, what's wrong with Saving Private Ryan? Uh, <laughs> and they were saying that it's not quite shaped like that. It's wood and it's meant to slip them up onto, right. and not all of them had mines. Sometimes they would just get stuck. Oh, I did see. But it's supposed to be that, that it's supposed to. And they're arranged in like uh, lines and not chaotically apparently. Yeah. I saw um, I saw a wood one when I went to Normandy. Uh, I went to Omaha Beach, and there's like basically nothing there anymore because they just have like a monument. But I went to what's the Canadian one? Sword Gold? One of those? Gold or Yukon? Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I think yeah. I went to Sword Beach, or no? That I think that was a British one. I the British, oh, I'm, the British I'm in one so much is trouble. gold. The the British one I'm is so, gold. I'm in so much trouble. What's the what's the what's the Canadian one? Juno Juno oh, Beach. Yeah, That's where I went. Oh man, I'm sorry, Canadians. I went there and I saw like uh, there were there were wooden ones of that. It was 
It's pretty cool. I've been to Etretat in Normandy. Yeah. And I it didn't even cross my mind about D Day. Stuff was nearby, and I could have oh, gone on a, on a tour. Oh, that's the only reason I went to Normandy. I was in Paris, and I'm like, okay, we're renting a car and driving all the way over there. But how about that cheese they got over there? Ah, oh, delicious. <laughs> okay, what was the deal? There's a shot where after they get they win, they get to the top, and Miller is about to get his like mission for the the movie. But before that, he's at this little camp, and he observes these other soldiers like pouring coffee and eating sandwiches. What is the idea behind that? What is he observing? I what think are we supposed to take away from that? He's showing the soldiers that didn't partake in the fight that now get to camp there because of what the sacrifice of the people that came before. So there's all these, like, I think 2,000 people, 2,000 Americans died that day. Uh, and he was part of that. But then once they took the beach, now the boats arrive and then they get to offload and all the people that were just on the boats waiting now get to have their comfortable coffee and their sandwiches. Right. And, it's just mm-hmm. an example of, like, how we just take things for granted. Totally. I didn't know if he was looking at the Air Force members doing that because spoilers I was in the army for a very short time and uh, so I got to absorb some of like the little like caste caste system and stigmas and stereotypes spoilers for your life (laughs) (laughs) yes hey spoilers guys here's some James history Uh, they called the Air Force Chair Force and everybody knew that it's like that's the comfiest element of the army to be in because you just like you sit you show up you fly on your plane. It's like this is the most bougie. You never have to like sleep in the dirt. You get to go back to your hotel after the oh, mission. For sure. So I thought that he was observing the chair for us. Like, ah, we got our coffee. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't um, yeah. Okay, before we move on from the D-Day, one more thing. We got to just say the effects. We talked about the blood a little bit, but we, we I mentioned the canteen shot. Yep. Did you notice the canteen shot, James? No, what is that? So the guy, there's medics tending to a guy, and one of them has a canteen on his hip, and he gets shot. It, the canteen gets shot, and then you see water pour out of the canteen, and then blood. Oh wow! So like, that's a practical effect shot that I I, I love because it implies you know he got shot through his canteen. That's a uh, nice detail. Yeah, there's a a lot of nice details in this movie. Like they go to a camp where a lot of people are uh, hurt, and there's a guy sitting beside his wounded buddy, and the guys while they talk to this guy. His hand is just always in movement because it's just fanning flies off of his buddy's wound. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. There's so many just like little... That's the other thing that I think this movie is really good at is having multiple things happen at once. Like there are... And I noticed this, I think, a bit more because I had subtitles on. Uh, There are multiple times in the movie where multiple conversations are happening and you know you're kind of supposed to pay more attention to one, but like you're also paying attention to the other one. And it's both important because it's all just experiential. And I think that's another one of the things that really brought me in to the immersion of it and made me feel like I'm actually here. Like it, w- it wasn't so clean cut. It wasn't like, all right, we're just following this character and he's going over here and this is what's happening in his story. We're just following this big group of soldiers at some at some points. And it's just like all of this chaotic stuff is going on and you're just there with them. Totally. And like the story is so dense. And there's so much information provided at all times where like I've seen this movie so many times and there's stuff that like I didn't realize until I did research on it. Like when they get to that camp with like all the the wounded soldiers, that down plane was down because they had reinforced the plane to protect the brigadier general on there. And so making like reinforcing this idea of like it's risking the lives of many worth the life of one. You didn't notice that? No, no, I the whole scene is about that. I just wasn't paying attention. There was like so much else going on that oh, I'm like, meh, meh, meh. No, that was the first time in the movie where I was like, okay, well, there's the theme for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure other people take different things away from this movie, but for me, that scene, I was like, okay, this movie is about what one man is worth. Their whole mission is to go save one guy. And the question is, should these other guys give their life to save him? And what's our answer on that? 
Let's no. talk about it. What do you think? <laughs> I think that the whole idea of sending a, a, a platoon of men into enemy territory to rescue the last brother out of four brothers is just dumb. Yeah. It's stupid. And I'm sorry, okay? This might be uh, irreverent, but I think it's dumb. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm one of four brothers myself. And I if think about your mom. No, if I if I was the last one surviving and they said we're coming to get you, I'd be like, "Screw you. No way." I mean, okay, look, I haven't been in a, a war. Maybe I would be frightened out of my mind and go home. But I'm just saying that from a philosophical moral standpoint, the logic there does not play out for me. Yeah. I think the I like that it's like appealing to the better angels of our nature. It reminds me of a um there's a Radio Lab podcast mm. episode about um prisoner of war like internment camps in the u.s that had japanese people a lot of people don't know that there's prisoner camps right. or work camps in the u.s during world war ii and it had japanese people in it and they were treated really well they had their own <laughs> newspaper mm. they had a, a nice community built inside it and at the time there were a lot of americans who were like why the hell are we being so nice to these people right there was like a rush limbaugh type radio personality back then who was really against it and um Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and the rationale was just like, we're not going to sink to their level, uh, the, the Nazis. Right. We're not going to act like them. We are better than them. Yes. This is how we're going to act. We're going to show you that our culture is better by treating people who we have power over. It's like that saying, like, character is how you act when no one's looking or, right. or when you have nothing to gain. And so to me, that's the, that's the logic of this movie where it's like, we're just going to do the right thing because we don't want to have this one lady experience the pain of having all of our sons die however mm. as they say in the movie we all got moms and <laughs> yeah. it is it's it is kind of shaky yeah it's, I, I, yeah i so just think i think the american military is much more pragmatic than that right uh yeah that's and the idea yeah. of risking eight people one of them like a pretty high-ranking officer to rescue a private mm, I man don't think so. that scene with the generals like trying to figure out whether they should send men on the mission or not i was just like Get out of here. Yeah. What is this? That's this when, was, was this written by an American general? Like <laughs> They had to get it approved by the yeah. army, and they're like, we Sir. need a cup like 50% more propaganda. <laughs> Sir, look at this. Three out of four brothers have died. It's like, oh, well, we got to do something about single that. Single tear. What would yeah. Abe Lincoln say? <laughs> let yeah. me read a quote. Let me read a quote that I have in my Bible yeah. or whatever. Like, I think this movie does a pretty good job not here. falling too far into like Top Gun territory of being like, join the army. Um, but that sequence in particular and like the whole the whole time your brain's like they wouldn't be doing this yeah they i would believe it more if they started to look for ryan and then they it went sideways and they tumbled into being like well we can't turn back now yeah right and well, they kind of had to and something it. that i researched after is that that letter that abraham lincoln wrote was actually like written in error like only two of the brothers of five died anyway so like oh. <laughs> okay it's not important <laughs> yeah. this is oh, this matter. is kind of where you know the the American war propaganda question kind of comes up for me because obviously, on the one hand, this like World War II was a instance of necessary war against the Nazis. Like they were destroying Europe, and I, I mean, there's all sorts of arguments to make about how they would, maybe would have eventually been defeated and all that stuff. But like America going into the war at that point was necessary. Like the guys, the allies needed help. And so they are there fighting against this evil. They're fighting against this, this horrific, this horrific regime. But at the same, but at the same time, I don't get that feeling from this movie. I don't get the feeling that their primary goal here is to 
destroy the Nazis. I know I their mission is to save that, that guy. I only sense that when Mellish is uh, standing beside that queue of German soldiers and he's holding up his Star of David and he's like, Juden. Yeah, yeah. Juden, I'm well, a Jew. Well, it's almost like it's almost like they put in that to be like, oh, remember, we're fighting the Nazis. Remember, the, remember they killed the Jews and stuff. But really, the what the movie is more concerned with asking is the whole, like, what is a man worth question? And secondarily... America. <laughs> like the movie starts and ends with a waving American flag. Sure does. And but it fades bleached, in and out. It's, be- it's kind of bleached out by the sun, though. It's kind of like a gray I washed out. The vitality of America has I'm not faded. taking that as a as an indication that they're like saying that it's morally gray or whatever. It's it's America. I, I was trying to figure out if that was a statement or not because the first shot, it shows that washed out gray, like old glory kind of thing yeah. that's like seen better days. And I thought, oh, that looks intentional. And then like yeah. two shots later, you see that same flag, but just from a different angle yeah. and it's completely saturated nice bright red mm. yeah so i was like i don't know honestly that that shot and you know the the other instances of kind of it being like america america's important fight for america is part of why i gave it 8.75 instead of like a 9.5 or something because it's like i love this movie and, and you know me me giving this critique as i said in the be- in the beginning i love this movie the whole time i'm on the edge of my seat i'm engaged it's it's an excellent movie watching experience, and it's, I think it says a lot of important things. But it just it gives a, puts a sour taste in my mouth to see that the whole like American thing just like put forward so so when, obviously. What, what are examples of this? Come on, uh, you haven't okay, driven well, this home for me. I don't believe we've, you. We've 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 already talked about most of them. It's the flag in the beginning and the end, especially at the end. It really just kind of like sours it for me because I'm like, oh man, what a journey. They they sacrifice their lives for this guy now. Earn it, blah, blah blah. He comes back to him in the in the cemetery, and then we end just like looking at the American flag, which has nothing to do with the fact that you know this guy was saved or something. But it, Unless they're but saying it does that America, have to do, it does have to do with the whole reason they did did the mission, which is what I alluded to a, a moment ago, where it's like it's the Americanness of this decision, the fact that we're going to go to these extents just to have okay. this lady not I, experience. I, this. I will hear this argument. Continue. That's it. Oh, okay. That is an American <laughs> value. It's an American yeah. moral. So No, I think that makes sense. I think for me, what most leaves a sour taste in my mouth is that this is part of the narrative of rewriting D-Day to be an American-only victory. Mm. And that the the American films that are about World War II are going to be about America, and they focus on an America. And so they've created this exceptionalist idea that World War II was won by America when it was won by like the Allies. And there's well, like thousands of british there's thousands of like millions of russians and like i don't think it's the responsibility of every american film ever to be like hey the canadians and the british are also doing this and hey the russians are doing this yeah. like it's like okay we're removing focus from this thing yeah but this for me i think the sour feeling is the compounded uh focus on america as the savior of world war ii i funnily enough i think that one of the pieces of media that does a great job at, at giving kind of a fuller picture of all of the uh parties that were putting an effort in the war in the war is like call of duty like when you play some of those campaigns the world war ii campaigns you play as americans you play as british you play as russians i think you play as germans at some point and it's like you i, I think those are great for giving a full experience but in this movie i i think i i mean i, I agree with what you were saying earlier that the story is about this American mission, and I think that if we were to bring in 
you know, Canadians and British and French and all yeah, that Russian stuff. Russian sequence. It would just get a little bit well, more. Well, I mean, totally. they talked they, they talk to a lot of different crews throughout this. If one of those crews was French or something, it well, would have been cool. And, even like and then the, you could use the, Upman more. Maybe, maybe, maybe Even the detail of, like, those boats that they would have ridden on would have been crewed by British people, and they were British boats. Really? But, yeah. Oh. Uh, and so, like, when the, the guy speaks, and he's clearly American, and, like, that's a little detail. They could have been like, oh, yeah, the British participated in this invasion. Sure. Uh, and I think that it, it just yeah. adds to this... Uh, kind of underlying feeling of like America. I'm 100% with you there. And maybe they could have like met up with some French resistance members or totally. something. Something. One thing I, I think this movie does really well is making you feel that all all the side characters are the stars of their own movie. Right. Mm. You know, this movie could just be Upham and his arc or, yeah. or Ryben. Um, also, this guy, this character's name is Ryben, and this <laughs> they're looking for Ryan. They could have not had yeah. another white guy with a similar they name. They say Ryben or Reben? I'm pretty sure it's Ryben. I was reading the subtitles. I wasn't. Paying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, but the, man, that's awesome. And the way it, it's so efficient, the way that they resolve Ryben's arc is just so he was the guy who the whole time was like, "This is a stupid, bad decision, waste of time. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be risking our whole all our lives for this one dude." Right. And then they gets there, and then Ryan doesn't even want to come with them, and he's like, "Why do we yeah. even do this?" And then it's all our names are so close. It's all resolved <laughs> when um, the two of them are taking cover and. Ryben just looks over at Private Ryan and just has like a, a, just a look on his face. It's, nothing is said. Yeah. And just with the look, it's like, we're a team now. Yeah. I got your back now. Yeah. Now we're brothers. It doesn't matter what happened. Yeah. That, was, that was just a great moment. Totally. I like that character's arc where, yeah, he is kind of the one that's going to step away. And I love that sequence. Or that I love that moment with Tom Hanks revealing that he's the school teacher. Oh. And like everything's going to shit. Like the, the second in command has this pistol pointed at, at Ryben. And like everyone's like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And he's like, I smell a monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently that monologue was way longer. And Tom Hanks was like, my character wouldn't say these things and right. wouldn't say it this long. And so they condensed it. And it feels still feels he long. Knows, he knows that his students have short attention spans. But I love that detail. And like it really kind of contextualizes because you've only seen Tom Hanks as this like war, badass war guy. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, he like teaches kids back home. I, and like I you love can imagine oh, he's him. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that movie. I think I wrote that. Uh, Captain Miller is a true leader. He knows exactly when to play that card in his deck. He has the card of yeah. this is what I do back home and they are they all want it. All his men want it and he knows exactly when to when to use it at the moment when his unit is in in the most chaos. And yeah. it's also really good writing because it's cool to give uh, characters quirks like that Paul Giamatti character who has like bad ankles at that one moment. Yeah. He, he's not much of a character but this quirk that we don't know what this guy's uh, occupation was or where he's from. It, it seems like an innocuous quirk, and it's cool to have quirks, but they work the best when they have harmony with the story. And then the fact that he turns that in, into a moment that right. kind of saves the day, it's like, mwah. And it's even cooler to have quarks. quarks uh, up, down, <laughs> charm, and strange. Top and bottom. Thank That's you. Funny. Yeah, Paul Giamatti's ankles... Uh, that what do you guys think of that moment when he like goes to tie a shoe and he knocks the wood over and it knocks the 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 wall over and then they're all pointing their guns at each that other? That was feels pokey. a little. I, it's like it's, it, my part of me is like I like it because like war is so random no, and I chaotic. Yeah, where yeah. it's like that, but it's also a weird movie moment. I, and I then, think I yeah I did I did like it because I was like oh man that really just underlines the the insanity of like trying to fight your way through these towns. You have no idea whether there's going to be a German soldier on the other side of that wall. And turns out there are, <laughs> but it seems a little crazy that they go in there and they, there's a guy stationed there. I don't know. I'm assuming that building had kind of been like cleared because they go in there and they're like thunder and the guy's like flash. And they're like, okay, that's how we know this area is safe. 
So we go in there. It's like, what? They both chose the same building as like a command building? It's very, very confusing. Totally. And it's just convenient that the other people show up at just the right moment to save them. Like, there was no cost to that moment. Yeah, if, I'm like, I think no, they could have handled that. As a soon as better. the first shot is fired, everyone's guns are going off. Yeah. Everyone is dead in that courtyard. That but none of the Americans got hurt at all. Yeah. Exactly. What's up with that? That was, that was pretty dumb. Yeah. I gotta say. I have, I have a few nitpicks. And so this movie is like known for its shaky cam. And it's, I think it works really well. Steven Spielberg didn't storyboard this movie at all. He just wanted to be there authentically in the place. And so that, 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 that participatory feeling you get watching this movie works. But there's sometimes where the camera's a little too shaky and it shouldn't be. Like there's when the first half track comes and they, they're in the bush and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, get down. And they get down. Uh, right before that, there's a bunch of close-ups of people like walking, and it's like long shots, but the camera is like really shaky. It's like cra- it's like hard to follow, yeah. uh, and I found that really distracting. Mm. We talked a little bit about the filter uh, being a little too aggressive for the vertical lines. I did not like that a lot of times. The last shot with Upham, there's the sky, and the sky's just bright enough that it triggers kind of the fil- the vertical line effect, and so like half the frame is just like extended with these vertical lines. And I found there's a few times of that because they remove the filter. It just was distracting. Do, um, are these things, uh, do you think that they're a product of the time or do you think that they are failures? It's a combo. Mistakes. I mean, like now we would stabilize those shots a little bit more uh, and we would have a better idea of what that filtering effect would be. And so we could kind of mitigate it. Um, but my bigger problems start to be like in the sequence, before the final sequence, when they're preparing for this, the, the final showdown, and they're like home aloneing the town. Um, <laughs> yeah, booby trap. They they do a sequence of setting it up, and then they kind of stop. And then when they're like, "Oh yeah, the Germans are coming," they keep going. And I'm like, "Why would why wouldn't they have finished before taking their break? Like they do like their final preparation before oh. they come." And that bothered me. Where oh, like, really? okay, well, uh, this is for the the purpose of re-upping the pace before we get into the well, action maybe, and like reintroducing. I don't that remember level what it is they do, but I couldn't. I can imagine things like the axle grease on the sticky bombs needs to be wet or something. Yeah. But there's and, things like they put the, the the line across the road and he covers it with dirt, well, and like they that was they are filling the Molotov cocktails and like that. It serves the purpose of the movie for uh, preparing the audience right. for what's about to happen. Yeah. But in the context of like soldiers that are like fighting for their life. Yeah. I don't think they would have like stopped and listened to Edith Piaf. I figured they <laughs> where there's Molotov cocktails to be filled. I figured I figured that the rolling the line across the way uh, the street was probably because they didn't want to accidentally like trip it or something. So like do that right before they come, you know, I don't know. But it's not like stepping on it's not going to fire. They still have to put it on oh, the right, thing Oh right, that's just then, a fuse. Well, I found out uh, what those blimps on D-Day were. Yeah, so after D-Day, they get to the top of the hill and they look out after like all the guys have arrived and there's all these like weird blimps attached to crap. I was yeah. like, what is that? Aren't blimps German? What the fuck are those what? for? Blimps? <laughs> so they, no, I think they're like... Uh, they're not blimps. They're, what the point is to, to elevate those metal cables or like thick steel cables and it's to prevent uh, low-flying aircraft from getting through. So ships would, would fire those off. So that planes that would be low-flying and strafing against, uh, on these boats... Uh, would would have to like dodge them and just right. would be so disincent- disincentivized of doing it because it's too dangerous that they just would protect the boat. Right. Oh, so planes would come and buzz the beach and just take out all those resources. Oh, yeah. man. Dunkirk. Oh, so God. they just put up these like barriers that you'd have to just like zig and zag through. Yeah, it's oh, too that's, dangerous. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it was something to do with communications. Like they're just lifting the internet into the sky. They're <laughs> <laughs> bringing lightning what down to, internet? to run the radios. What about that scene when Vin Diesel, of all people who's in this movie... Yeah. Takes that damn French kid. Idiot. 
The stupid. The, okay, scene. that family sucks. I love how the little girl, when it's all over, the little girl just slaps the shit out of her yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Obviously, what are you thinking? She's traumatized. <laughs> what do you for think life? these guys are gonna do? And then I love how um, we're kind of we talked about in the last episode. You weren't here, Riley, but in the Alien one, we're, it's a horror movie. We're talking about how often in, in those types of movies, there's like sins that the people do in Act One that they have to atone for later. Right. And so Vin Diesel's character dies right after. Yeah. Committing mm. the sin of not following orders. Right. Uh, the, the sin of trying to save a child. She looks like my niece. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do yeah. it. Sorry, Sarge. Like, yeah. No, idiot. I think they could have played up that sequence a little bit more. Like in so many war films when there's a sniper, there's always, I mean, I don't want this line of dialogue, but there's like the, they, they shot him to draw us out. Don't go get him. They're trying to draw us out. Cause like you shoot the, you shoot the person as a sniper and then he's screaming, and you keep them alive so that his teammates want to go and save him. Yeah, yeah. And then you shoot him when they go out in the open. Right. You know, so, like so that? you want that, but you don't want that. I I want more of that because they they kind of do that a little bit where the I people are like, same I gotta go get him. Um, but I found like there was no tension in that scene, and maybe it's just because I've rewatched this movie so There's much. There's lots of tension because the yeah. sniper is looking at him through like, is he gonna finish him off? No, but that's at the end of the scene. There's like a whole minute before we see the sniper's perspective, and I love that. I love when like he's kind of scanning. And you can not really see where the soldiers are, and it's only at the last minute when he's already—it's already too late—that the the Christian sniper has Jackson, like, Jackson. has spotted him and yeah. shoots him um, in a, another act that defies the the physics of bullets. Um, what? Because okay, so if you were shooting up that far, the bullet's going to arc. So you have, he's has to aim above, and so, so so if it arcs above, it couldn't go through the thing. It would have to like. Land above, so just but it just could have gone through still. No, whatever. Okay, but bullets arc, but they were. He, I mean, he wasn't that far away. No, no, I don't know. Well, here's two things I like. <laughs> what do you mean? You're just giving up? Here's two, doesn't matter. I it's it like such a stupid. I, know, I get what you're saying, but I think it could have worked. Totally. Well, here's two things I really like about that scene. Uh, number one, I like that the German sniper's face is like sympathetic. He doesn't look like this cold killing yeah, machine. Totally. He's like, oh god, this sucks. And number two, when they get the little girl, and now the stakes are raised. Because mm. they get the little girl, they're in their cust- custody, better or worse, and then Vin Diesel's character is dead, and then now they're taking cover from a sniper, and this little girl's out in the open. I'm just like, shit! Yeah. No, I, I thought it was a very tense scene. I mean, even having seen it before, I don't remember that scene much, except for the shooting the sniper through the thing. Yeah, that's through, pretty through iconic. The, through the, uh, what do you call it? What does he shoot him through? Scope. The scope. Oh, you that's what you're clean, Yeah, about. it goes clean through a yeah. scope. It, I just uh, remember that shot because I was like, "Oh heck yeah!" I haven't calculated the arc myself. I saw just saw, just saw a video. I, I, I saw a video. I haven't ca- guys. I haven't calculated the trajectory. Uh, it's a parabola. Speaking of Vin Diesel, <laughs> one thing that kind of breaks my immersion in this movie is the sheer amount of celebrities that show up, and a lot of them. It's oh, not yeah? the movie's fault. Like Matt Damon was a nobody, right. and he was cast uh, before uh, Goodwill Hunting was oh, even yeah? a thing. And really, so he was cast. They shot it. Goodwill Hunting made him a superstar, and so that kind of. Right. Like Steven Spielberg had cast him specifically because he was a nobody, um, but like, every like sergeant or captain yeah, like, they run into like Ted, Ted Danson, Giamatti's in there. That yeah. other guy, Dan- those ones totally remove my immersion a little bit. Really? Totally. I don't know. I think I kind of liked it because I was like, oh yeah, he's in this movie. But I think <laughs> instead of breaking my immersion, I think it just kind of took me. It made me appreciate the movie more as maybe like a vehicle for for uh, kickstarting some of these guys' careers. I know Ted Danson was already a celebrity or whatever, but like 
it's got to be fun. Yeah. Paul Giamatti's first movies. He had been he done stuff. Ones. Nathan Fillion had done nothing. So he again, he's yeah, Nathan someone, Fillion. Who's he's the he? first? He's the first he's, fake Ryan. Yeah, he's the right? fake Ryan. Yeah, oh. I was like, I was like, is that Nathan Fillion? But I didn't bother looking it it's up. Pretty, he does a pretty good job, and I can see why he got cast after that. Does that mean? Does that mean my brothers are okay? Yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah, that. I like I how he's so like bad. preoccupied with like, but you can't know for sure they're okay. And yeah, yeah, that felt real. That actually made sense. That's impossible. My brothers are in grade school. Yeah, they're just like this movie has no business being as funny as it is oh my god this, it's so funny it's so funny that, and it's it's perfect because all of the moments of comedy are just like it's it's so perfectly entwined and i think it really gives you a sense of how you know they 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 are dealing with death every single day they are li- literally living in hell and they have to find a way to 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 not break down and that's how they do it they make oh, jokes same. i think that that um is highlighted and it goes perfectly with the theme in the scene where they are going through all the dog tags. Oh, yeah. They're like, all right, let's see if we got our guy here. And they're like basically playing around with the dog tags like they're poker chips in front of all the uh, young paratroopers, the, the the fresh recruits who... And that medic character is always there to remind people that... Yeah. He, who is that guy? Phoebe's brother from France. <laughs> that guy's always there to be like, guys, this is serious. Yeah. He's the most Gio- empathetic. Giovanni Rabisi plays medic Wade. Yeah. Wade. Man, when he dies, the way that he bleeds out... That it's was, so irritating. It's so, oh, I don't know. That, that, oh, no. that one feels real to oh, me. Oh, no, no. It definitely does feel real. But I think um, it bothered me as someone with first aid training in the past where it's they're like. They're just wiping it away. They're just wiping the blood away. I'm like, what are you doing? And then put they even pressure say, on they it. They even say, put pressure. Yeah, put later pressure. they put pressure on. If they put pressure on first thing, they instead of just be like, oh, get rid of this blood. Yeah, but the, the way the blood's coming out and like they lift him up to get the exit wound. Yeah. That was one of those like. Oh gosh, that that's a was, human who's dying, and man, I hate that's this. Rough. They're like, "Tell us what we can do. Tell us what we have. What we Give should do." And to they save set you. up the morphine thing. There's just like a quick shot earlier when they're at that camp where the guy's waving the flies. Yeah. There's a quick shot there where he like punctures this little white, I guess it's a morphine needle capsule thing into a guy's leg, and there's yeah. like no context. Yeah. Uh, and then we see it again here, like, oh, that's how they do it, man. I love those little foreshadowing. And even even him at the end, you know, we saw those guys in, on D Day like saying "Mama" as they're like bleeding out on the beach, and he again he says "Mama." Yeah. It, what's up with that? They did that in Shawshank Redemption too. Remember that the they say the that new even fish the, gets there. That felt the biggest, less real. Even in the Shawshank. toughest guy will cry for his mama when he's dying or something. I don't okay. know if I would. Well, you don't know. I don't. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, did you guys know the word defilade before this movie? No. I was like, maybe I didn't play enough video games. Mean, like cover? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a cover where you can't be seen or shot at right. by yeah. an enemy. They kept saying at the beginning, go get that depth. There's definitely down there. And yeah. I, was, I thought it was a guy's name at first. <laughs> I had to like, <laughs> pause like it. C4? If I didn't have <laughs> subtitles on, I probably never would have even I noticed it. I didn't pick up on yeah. it. No, I love this. Uh, I love subtitles. I think my subtitles favorite moment of movie. comedy in the movie is when the second in command is like kind of crossing the line of fire. There's the German right there and he's like, his he, he's got like nothing his, his gun jams or something and he has to take his helmet off and they throw yeah. it at each other and yep. then he like shoots him with the pistol and the, the other that. guy shows up and he has to throw his pistol yeah i love because it's funny it's like kind of a comedic moment but it's also like you know these people are fighting for their life you thought that was funny i think it's kind of goofy when they're throwing their helmets at each other <laughs> i didn't like, see okay i see what you're saying but i think i didn't i didn't that was more like a moment of desperation to me i guess you could maybe if i was in a different state of mind I it would have found it funny, but I was so immersed that I was just like, this is so crazy that you run up to somebody. And I think especially in that final battle, you, there's so many moments where the American soldiers and the German shoulder, soldiers come face to face and they have to contend with the fact that these are men. These are just other men. These are just other humans that they're dealing with. And the the 
the captive scene is also great for that where it's like in other circumstances you know you guys might be friends or whatever it's like and you you go up and you're your feet away from this guy what do you do and there's another that, that also that scene where they knock down the wall is another scene where they're just like so close yeah. i just there are moments like that just make me just take me out of it take me out of my current reality for a second i'm just like man can you imagine just like being this like as far away from I, as i am from you and just like one of us has to kill each other. Do you yeah. think that they could have played that up more in the the scene with Mellish hand-to-hand battling that German? When he's losing, he's about to get stabbed, yeah. he says, we should stop. We should stop. But do you think... He said, we should stop? He said, let's stop. Oh, let's stop fighting. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's losing I thought already. I just, yeah, I thought I just heard him saying, stop, 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 stop. But maybe that scene, instead of them really fighting, should have been them appraising the situation and deciding, you know, no one else can see us right now. Yeah. Let's just fight each other from farther away. This is a lot easier when it's just bullets. But it's just like hand-to-hand combat uh, melee to the death is like really intense. And do you want to just do that for this abstract notion of nation? But, I well, mean, and he's Jewish, okay? Jews are getting killed. Yeah. So it's not abstract for him, really. Right. Okay? I think we so kind of I, I get it. I think we kind of had a moment like that where after he kills Mellish, the German soldier comes back down the stairs and he sees Upham there, uh, you know, just in the, the fetal position. And he just kind of is like all right i'm gonna leave you i'm just gonna walk by i'll maybe get you next time he's like i've done this before yeah it sucks yeah and that's also that's another reason why i didn't really judge him there because i was like this german the enemy saw him in this state and he saw i think he saw a human who it was just like it was too much yeah he just rage quit for a second no one knows the the, how bad it is uh more than they do right yeah i love i love that german character i like when he's desperately trying to negotiate for his life and, and he's he just sings like, an ass he's like Betty Boop uh, <laughs> oh that lady great great gams great gams oh, and he yeah, sings so the sad. national anthem and it's yeah. like you really feel it and like oh man yeah anyone would do that hey at the same time him I'd be like Autobahn Volkswagen <laughs> yeah I feel I feel like <laughs> schnitzel schnitzel ironically I think that him the German soldier saying all those things made me it, it, it like did the opposite I was kind of mm. like oh you're he's maybe pathetic. a weirdo like, like instead of like humanizing him and being like, no, this is a good man, you know, he just like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's following orders. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but how can he communicate? No, I know, but I for some reason him like saying all this stuff like, oh, Betty Boop, blah, 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 that's American, right? Americans are just stupid. I'm like, well, screw you, dude. No, no, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's trying to make say that it's stupid. I think no, he's just trying to like the only things he has any cultural cultural understanding no, yeah. of. Because yeah, I think if he was like, no, me family have. Yeah. I have children. <laughs> I know the word, is but he, I say is it. Is he a freshly unfrozen caveman? <laughs> uh, yeah. Me family kill T-Rex. <laughs> one, uh, one little tidbit I wanted to, to bring up was the moment when Reben, Reben is uh, threatening to leave, right? Because they let the captive go, and he's like, this is this is bullshit. I'm, I'm done with this mission. I'm out of here. You know, I'm not doing this. And, you know, they're trying to get him not to leave. And eventually, you know, he, he plays the school teacher card and he does his whole speech about, you know, we're on this mission. And but I, honestly, I forget exactly what the, what the moral of the story is, but somehow it brings people together. And then Ryman's like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll stick together. And then when they get to Ryan, Ryan is like, it's like, you're getting a, you're getting a get out of jail free card. Like you can come home, man. Like, there you go. It's easy as that. You, you just have to say yes. And he says, no. And I thought that was like a really interesting, like juxta- or not juxtaposition, but uh, reversal uh. of of, Re- of Ryben's decision. He wanted to leave, 
And Ryan is like, no, I'm not leaving. Wow. Okay. That was, that was a little violent, but yeah. Perfect for this movie. Do you, do you guys think there'll ever be a war movie like Saving Private Ryan again? What do you mean well, like Saving Private Ryan? I don't know. Like it's been done. It exists and it's really damn good. So if you're going to top it, you kind of have to like take it another angle and just change it. And maybe Dunkirk is an example of that. Do you mean one of it just quality like that? I think just pure war film that kind of keeps it real simple. Because I, I, you're right. Like Dunkirk is maybe as good, if not nearly as good. But it kind of needs to have this more postmodern take on war. Mm. Uh, it can't be as like sincere, not sincere is the right word, but like I, g- I genuine. You know what I yeah, mean? I think yeah. it has to be either a conflict we haven't seen or a perspective we haven't seen. Mm. You know, uh, like um, what's the one that Spike Lee just did? Uh, the the five bloods. Yeah, the five bloods. Like, oh god, that would be sweet. Like, you know, just other other voices that we haven't seen. Did, something did you guys like see that. that movie? No, it's just just as shocking. Oh yeah, and it it lulls you in with like good times. We're having a good time. I think um, if they were going to make a movie that I would respect as much as this movie, um, I, I Dunkirk. I don't. I don't. I don't enjoy Dunkirk as much. Like, I think I respect it more because it kind of like it's not just a war movie. It's like. It, it's more artfully done and there's like clear themes and and uh but it's 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 a different thing for me i don't think it's quite the same as like these kind of like down in the mud nitty-gritty like uh putting you in the midst of warfare like that i think that one takes more of a sort of traditional storytelling approach but my thing about this movie i think that i think would be that a modern movie would have to do is to, as you say, maybe take more of a postmodern like view on it. Whereas this one, I, I want to say it prevents an unflinching look at like the horror of war and and like lets you decide. It lets the viewer like take a position, but it doesn't do that. It it takes a position of America, <laughs> <laughs> like the the people. I think I kind of talked about this a bit, but like to me, it seems like the soldiers in this movie aren't fighting against the Nazis. They're fighting for America. Mm. And that like I, that stayed with me through the whole time. Um, so yeah. That's totally fair. Oh, you got 1917. It's not as good. No. But no. It's, it's good. It's but good. It's, it's good. very good. But what you're talking about, Rally, that reminds me of the Kubrick one. God, what the fuck is Full it? Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, thank mm. you. I was like, you could see the cover, the Born to Kill thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's kind of more like right, and I was I was almost expecting more of kind of like a a um, condemnation of the violence here, but it's the, it, it doesn't it just kind of shows it to you, and it's like this is this is what it is. America. Well, it shows you the trauma, like yeah. with the old man at the end and well, all that. It's interesting because the movie itself is very subjective. It's very much from the perspective yes. of someone in the movie, but I think it's like it takes a stance, but it's kind of a little bit removed more from an objective position of right kind of like viewing the morality and the values that are on display mm. and uh i love it i love it also it's a great movie it's well great. everybody guess what guess what we're gonna do next week uh, spider-man what? or thor spider-man homecoming well i think we should do thor the month later because thor is closer to infinity war oh, okay. in the timeline sure, sure. every every month every fourth episode is going to be mcu Okay. And then we're going to do that all the way through Endgame. That's and, fun. And guess what? That one week after the Endgame episode, which is going to be like in October, uh, or one month after that, it's going to be Black Widow. Ooh. So, Whoa. Which I'm like sort of stoked for. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever. Blade's not, the only one I'm excited well, about. Well, it's just kind of weird. I feel like it's it's weird to get stoked for movies that aren't that don't appear to A be spin-off. part of like... It's a spinoff, and we—it's—it's it's like back going back in time to during the Infinity Arc or before. 
So it's kind of like are what? they gonna de-age her? I'm not. I'm not stoked for this. I doubt it. They're gonna. It's a. It's a passing off the torch movie too. Like there's gonna be a new Black Widow by the end of it. Okay. Uh, what's her name? Florence Pugh, the girl from uh, Little Women, a is gonna be the Black new Black Widow. Are yeah. other people excited about this? Let us know on Twitter or by email. We are at Carpool Critics on Twitter and Carpool Critics Podcast at gmail.com. What a what a great email. Hit us up. Also, if you get your friends to watch this, um, take a. I don't know. Do something. Take a picture. A social distance. <laughs> Just let us know that you got a friend to listen, and then we'll like you. And maybe we'll do something special. I'll do something special for you. And I'll check- get my friend to call you. <laughs> and check out my Last of Us 2 video. Oh, yeah. Go check out David's uh, gaming channel. Surprise with an exclamation mark. Yep. Gaming. And Nintero Bang. Surprise? Surprise! Surpri- <laughs> surprise with a Z. Yeah. Like on, on top of a prize. Yeah. Exclamation mark. It was going to be a lot more complicated. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Love you.